and welcome to mini episode 109 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have six spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 15th of March 2021 and story number one comes from Vincent. When I was 12 years old my father passed away suddenly from a heart attack in his sleep. This was not his first heart attack but his fourth. My father usually never worked late but that night was different. He came home at roughly 11 o'clock. Me, being only 12, had a typical bedtime that was enforced every night by my mother, and I usually did not put up a fight about it. But that night, I vigorously refused to go to sleep and waited on the steps by the front door in order to greet my father and say goodnight. To this day, I don't know why I just had to wait for him, but I'm glad I did, considering what happened. Before any of this happened, I never had any experiences with spirits or the paranormal, nor did I really even think about it. But only a few weeks after my father's passing, that quickly changed. It started with small things, smelling my father's cigar smoke while in my room, shadows out of the corner of my eye, footsteps in the hall pacing back and forth from my room to my mother's. I was never afraid. I never felt any ill will from the experiences. I would smile and think maybe it was my dad just keeping an eye on us. This notion would quickly change on the night that I decided to try and talk with what had been lurking in the shadows of my room. I was awoken by the light in my room flickering on and off and then a sudden knock on my door. Again I smelled my father's cherry cigar. So I took a deep breath and asked, Dad, is that you? What I received as a reply would change my life forever. As soon as I finished asking my question, I felt the mood and atmosphere of my room change. The room became darker, and a heaviness suffocated any type of hope I had that it was my father that I was reaching out to. The silence was terrifying, but not nearly as horrific as the voice that broke it. I felt a hand on my shoulder, and in my left ear, It spoke to me in a deep and sinister growl. Us. Forever. And just like that, the room went back to normal. But that's all that did. All through my teens, I've seen things that I can't explain, heard things that no one else could hear. I feel as though the trauma of losing my father woke something inside of me. A gift, as my sister would eventually call it. I'm 31 now and I'm still visited. I still see the shadows and I still hear that voice. I've only been able to make out a part of what it looks like. It never steps out of the shadow, so a detailed description is virtually impossible. But I do know it is tall, ghastly thin, and has fingers like tree branches, long and seemingly broken, pointing in different directions. Some nights it gets closer and I've learned that closing my eyes does nothing, so most nights will stare into its void-like face, waiting for it to recede back into the shadows, allowing me to finally sleep. I do wonder if sometimes people have a sixth sense about traumatic things that are going to happen, whether or not somehow, instinctively, they know that something bad is going to happen, like Vincent saying that he just had to say goodbye to his dad for whatever reason that night. He just had to say goodnight to him rather, not goodbye. Which is interesting because it's so out of the ordinary. So maybe in some deep subconscious level, I don't know, maybe he did know or maybe it was just the fact that his dad was working late 
and that was unusual. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever has decided to haunt you ever since, no, needs a big dose of fuck right off. What is, no. I don't want any long, spindly, broken fingered creature to be keeping me awake at night time. Absolutely no way. And to be honest, I don't know how you've coped with seeing that throughout your life or heard it saying us forever in your ear and then just coped with it forever. I don't know, Vincent, you are a bigger man than I'll ever be. And story number two comes from Jill. First off, I'm a cradle Catholic. So I've known from a very young age that there are spirits, both light and dark, and spiritual warfare that is constantly being waged. I guess my first experiences were at my paternal grandmother's home in Ohio. Every summer, my dad, my mom, my sister and I would make the arduous two-day drive from Texas to Ohio to visit. I never looked forward to these vacations because it meant we would be staying in her house. While I never saw anything there, I could never bring myself to go into the room that had belonged to my aunt who died decades before I was born and then belonged to my grandfather before his death when I was 10. I never voiced an issue as a child, but as adults my sister and I have reminisced about the terrible vibes that we received from that room as children. As a teenager, I found myself drawn to do lots of dumb things, including seeking entities in haunted locations. I fully believe I got everything I asked for, because I know something attached itself to me for a long while. I felt very dark, disturbed, angry, pulled away from my faith and made very uncharacteristic choices. Until one night I had enough of feeling so out of sync with my true self, that I found I was screaming in my room in the middle of the night, just leave me alone. And after that, things did mellow out for a while. As an adult, I've lived in a few places where I avoided certain rooms because things just haven't felt right. Kind of like the house in Ohio. But my current residence really takes the cake. My husband, my two sons and I have lived in this house now for nine years. It was built in the early 2000s, so the house itself doesn't really have a history but I'm unsure of the story of the land we occupy in central Texas. I didn't really notice anything in the house till my youngest son started to seem to be interacting with something I couldn't see when he was close to a year old. He would stop and glance oddly into empty rooms and wave and say hi to the wall over my shoulder while sitting in the recliner with me at night time. Since then he has been diagnosed with autism but he is not prone to blank stares and for a very long time was non-verbal with the exceptions of the high in the general direction of the wall. We've had the traditional baby toy play a song in the middle of the night and specific floorboards creaking when everyone is firmly planted in bed. It wasn't just my son and I having experiences at that house. My mom was watching my youngest one day while the rest of us went to a football game. This was during his non-verbal time. My mother texted me asking where I was. Puzzled, I replied that I was still at the game. She then replied, Well, who just yelled, Mother, at me in your voice then? I had no answer. Most events are now contained in the master bathroom. I've come home to the smell of perfume in the air that I haven't worn in years, that is closed away in a cabinet and items like lotions and such laying on my bed that I 100% would never put there before leaving for the day, and toothbrushes out of place. 
I've watched bottles of shampoo and other toiletries shake for no reason before my eyes. The craziest thing, though, centres around my autistic son's toothbrush. As a mom, I know every sound in my house. I've awoken several nights to the sound of his toothbrush dropping into the bathroom sink, not sliding off the counter, legitimately dropping in and rattling around until it settles. There is no way from where his toothbrush is stored that this could happen, unless it is purposefully dropped. It is not a member of my family because everyone is in their place, and they would have to pass me in bed to get to the bathroom. We don't communicate with it, because like I said, I'm no stranger to the realness of demons pretending to be one thing and then ruining your life. Plus, my husband is terrified by anything supernatural, so as of now we are just coexisting without acknowledging but I can't help but feel that it's reading over my shoulder. I wonder if it's reading over your shoulder and going, hang on a second, that's absolutely not what happened. She is lying. None of that is true. Absolutely not. I don't know what a cradle Catholic means, by the way. Does that mean you were like born into a Catholic family? I presume so. I presume that just means that you were raised Catholic. It's such a funny thing, isn't it, when you know exactly what a sound is in your house, even if it seems to be an obscure sound like a toothbrush falling into the sink or whatever. You get so used to your own house that you are really aware of exactly what every single sound is. And I think, do you know what? I think coexisting is probably a good idea. Just if it's if it's not something that's going to that you're comfortable with, just ignoring it, coexisting, recognizing it's there but not acknowledging it. I think that's probably the best way to deal with these things. And story number three comes from Charlene. When my kids were young, my husband and I lived in an old house built in pre-war time. It used to be a boarding house when it was first built, so it had seen a lot of life and a lot of people passing through. From moving in, the house had a heavy feeling to it, something you couldn't quite put your finger on. At first, nothing out of the ordinary happened and then gradually we began to hear bumps in the front bedroom like footsteps of someone wearing heavy boots that you could hear walking above your head in the living room. My husband worked nights, so I often had the bed and the house to myself and the kids. But then my eldest son, who was six at the time, started asking to come and sleep with me. He said he could see a tall shadow man wearing a hat and big coat and big boots outside his bedroom at night standing in the doorway. He got up out of bed one night and went to the toilet and came running down to tell me there was a baby wearing just a nappy on the landing at the back of the house by the bathroom just sitting there and then it wandered into my four-year-old's bedroom and disappeared through the door. This seemed strange as at the time there was only my six-year-old and my four-year-old in the house. Things carried on like this for a while, the odd sighting by my son, lots of footsteps, thumping and bumps in the night. Activity then started to increase steadily when my baby boy was born the following year. I would put him down in his cot to sleep and he would be very settled. An hour or two later he would be screaming blue murder. My eldest son, who at this point was still sleeping in bed in the same room, told me the shadow man was looking in his brother's cot and waking the baby up and scaring him. I was so unnerved by this that I asked my sister to come and stay for a few nights as I didn't want to be alone with the kids in the house at this point. I don't know if I provoked whatever was in the house by doing this, 
but the following night was one of the scariest I had while living in this house. We had put the kids down to sleep for the night and they seemed pretty settled, so my sister had decided to watch some TV. After a while, I decided to go and get a quick shower before bed and check on my three boys. I went to the bathroom and after my shower, I was stood at the sink and as I bent to brush my teeth and look into the mirror, I saw a young girl sitting crouched behind me in the corner of the bathroom, looking at me in the mirror. She was about 18 and she had long curly blonde hair, a pale pallor and a pink long t-shirt. She didn't smile She didn't speak. She just stared at me in the mirror. I shut my eyes tight, and when I opened them, she had gone. I went downstairs feeling a bit shaken and told my sister what had happened. We went back upstairs together to see if we could see her again, but she had gone. Then suddenly we heard a whirring sound, like toy remote cars, faintly from the front of the house. Our house had a loft conversion where my husband had set up a scaleetrics. It had a huge track with all the accompanying lights and different cars. My sister and I went and stood at the bottom of the staircase and peered up into the darkness of the loft. You could hear the cars whizzing around the tracks and you could see the red and green lights flashing in the darkness as though someone was playing with it. We looked at each other and took off down the stairs. The kids slept through all of this, thank goodness, but we couldn't make head nor tail of what had happened. We talked it through and eventually we decided to try and get some sleep and I went to my room with my eldest son and the baby and my sister and my middle son were in the other two bedrooms. Sometime in the night I heard a huge crash downstairs and woke up with a start. I could hear what sounded like someone loudly crashing and banging pots and saucepans around my kitchen and slamming cupboards really hard. I thought someone had broken in. Heart racing, I jumped out of bed and met my sister in the hallway who had heard it too and woken up and we went to investigate together. We found nothing out of place and everything was as we had left it earlier. Unnerved, we went back to bed after checking everything was definitely secure. A few weeks later, after more bumps and bangs in the night, I was fed up and telling my two friends about the goings-on one evening in the pub. One of my friends was very spiritual and a psychic, the real deal. She never made a common knowledge, but she had had the gift from when she was a child. Being the good friend she is, she offered to come around and see if she could pick up on anything, but only on a night when the children wouldn't be in the house. The following week, I sent my children to sleep at their granny's house for the night, that my husband was off work. He had seen some activity in the house, but it was always calmer when he was in the house for some reason. My friend came round and did a walk around through the house. She said she felt drawn to the loft, so she went up to get a feel for the room. When she came downstairs, she asked where all the mirrors in the loft had come from. I told her that they were there when we moved in, and we just hadn't gotten around to binning them. She told us to get rid of them immediately. She said the mirrors were a portal for spirits good and bad to move through from their realm into ours, and while we had been living in the house, a steady stream of traffic of spirits had been moving through the house and back again. She sensed a baby in the house, aged around two, a young woman and a young man, who she said were non-malevolent, but that there was a darker force in the house that she said had never been human, that knew of me and my family. We promptly got rid of the mirrors, and I rang our local church for our parish priest to come around and bless the house a few weeks later. 
The activity still continued while we lived there, but not as much as that awful night and in the lead-up to it. Just a flash of movement out of the corner of your eye, some footsteps occasionally, and that feeling of being watched at times. I was not sorry to see the back of that house when we moved out, and thankfully we have not had any activity in our new home, so I am hopeful nothing followed us there. My eldest son is 18 now and he still talks about his old bedroom and what he saw sometimes at night. He says he will never forget the horrible man in the boots in his bedroom doorway just watching him. Charlene, I'm so glad that your sister was there to witness some of that. Like, I'm not glad you went through it and I'm not glad your sister went through it, but I'm glad that your sister was there and was able to say, I heard that too, I saw that too. Uh, You're not alone with this one. You're not going mad because that is so super important. Just I think for your own psyche and your own well-being to be able to say, okay, this isn't just me. Somebody else has seen this. Somebody else is experiencing this. Stories like this where a psychic claims that a mirror or whatever is being used as a portal from another realm makes me think of all of the beings that are coming through as sort of like being in a train station just waiting, just waiting for a portal to come along that they can slip through or they slip through by accident and they're like, huh, where am I? And you're suddenly in some alive person's house making their life a living hell. Such a weird thought. And story number four comes from Cheney. Last night, I had one of those dreams where you think you're awake because you're dreaming you're in your bedroom. I dreamt there was a shadow figure in the corner next to my dresser across from my side of the bed. The fear in my dream woke me as I am a super light sleeper and I swear I saw the same shadow figure next to my bed. I blinked and it was gone. So I convinced myself it was part of the dream and it wasn't real. Then today my family and I arrived home after running an errand and my husband told me to take our things inside and he would get the kids. I walked into the house to see every cabinet and drawer in the kitchen was open. I turned right back around and closed the door leaving my purse and everything else inside. I got back in the truck told my husband we are moving let's leave and I whispered to myself it's happening as I sat there shaking on the verge of tears my husband started giggling I asked him did you do that and he continued laughing while saying I'm so sorry baby and yes this is the exact reaction I was expecting nothing is happening I'm sorry let me tell you that man would be divorced Honestly, I'm so glad that, I, that I've that i never been at the receiving end of a prank like that because I would make an absolute knob of myself. Like, honestly, I would just be, I think I would, I'd be so embarrassed by the way I would behave, I would imagine. And story number five comes from Anonymous. In some circles, I'm known as a hedge witch. A hedge witch can briefly be described as someone who can walk the line between the spirit world and our world, hence citing the word hedge since a hedge would be placed at the edge of a property, symbolising the fence between our world and the spirit world. Since I follow a Norse path, I sometimes practice a form of trance work called Utiseta, which means sitting out. You invite spirits to communicate with you, and then they can enter your senses and in my case, provide me with visions, much like in a dream state, but you're fully awake. Some years ago, when I was still naive about the spirit world, 
I had decided to declare myself as the Witch of the Woods. The woods were walking distance from my house and weren't really woods, but rather groomed open space on old farmland that many joggers and dog walkers enjoy. One of the trails splits off and enters a quiet, secluded area with a quaint circle of large stones for sitting. I began to introduce myself to the woods by offering rolled tobacco as well as befriending a large tree. This, however, was not enough to quench my curiosity about the unseen which dwells in our natural world. One night I decided to really go for it and walked out to the circle of rocks and hurled Scandinavian herding calls out into the darkness at the top of my lungs. Wine was involved and I felt like the whole open space was on edge, listening intently as I belted out these herding calls in an open invitation to the spirits. Any culture who works with the spirits of the land would tell you never to do this. Never call out to the spirit world in the middle of the night and never whistle either. There are things that lurk in the darkness, waiting to attach themselves to you or to outright kill you. Luckily, I was not killed and luckier still, no one called the cops for disturbing the peace. I actually had a very curious experience which taught me to be much more sensitive towards the spirit world and to never ever do this again. I went home that night with no repercussions but a few days later I felt a finger run itself up my bent elbow that I had resting on the arm of my couch. There was no mistaking the sensation of a finger trailing itself right up my arm. I acknowledged this as a result of my adventures in the woods at night and decided to remain observant around the house just in case. What it turns out, that finger likely belonged to a Native American man, who entered my vision during a trance session later that week. He looked ute, and wore a beautiful bright blue bone chest piece, and he had eagle feathers in his hair. He wore leather tasseled pants, and he was angry with me. He began to hit me in my vision, My body turned into a giant grizzly bear, which I had to assume was my filgia stepping in, which can be loosely described as a Norse concept of a spirit which is attached to you for life and part of our sense of self. They act as a protector, and my one is a bear. Because this was a vision, I wasn't hurt. After the Native American man stopped pummeling my giant bear body, he began to dance in front of me. His leather tasseled pants spun and turned and twisted and I understood he was whipping up the energy around him. The vision dissipated and I realised what I had done. In my stupidity, I disturbed a Native American spirit in the woods, which I thought I was the witch of. I was humbled and a little freaked but not terrified. I returned to the area with the sitting stones and offered some tobacco and an apology. I wished the spirit peace and I apologised for colonialism, an action I picked up from some other Norse pagans in an attempt to try and heal the land. I feel as though I made peace with the Native American man. I never felt a finger drag up my elbow again and I have not seen him in my visions or dreams. Then one day, as I was passing through the sitting stone area while walking my dog, I noticed the city had placed a plaque commemorating three Native American tribes, the Ute, the Cheyenne and the Navajo. 
The plaque describes the tribes as the original landowners and requests to its readers to take time to sit peacefully on the sitting stones and reflect. To be sure, I now walk through the open space area quietly and respectfully, never to shriek into the night at the top of my lungs again. And I repeat, my friends, never call out with an open invitation to the unseen world which dwells alongside us, especially at night. I got lucky, for there are creatures whose names should never be mentioned out of fear of attracting their deadly attention. That story took me down such a rabbit hole. So I have to say I looked up the pronunciation of everything. I'm sorry if I didn't get it right. I do my best to try and make sure that I pronounce things correctly. But sometimes my voice or my mouth just doesn't make the sounds that it needs to make to pronounce certain things. I also always get messages from people when I talk about pronunciation and they say people shouldn't get offended about pronunciation, etc, etc. And actually, I do it because people have taken the time to write in And the least that I can do is take the time to Google something and see how to pronounce it. So that's why I do it. Okay, that's why I make such a big thing about pronunciations of different things. So I do apologise if I pronounced anything wrong. But I went down a rabbit hole after this story. I was like, what the heck's a hedge witch? What the heck is like Norse, the Norse path of paganism? I had absolutely no idea. And I guess that it makes sense that when you're just discovering like who you are within this certain context that you would go out into the woods at night and like claim it as your own and shriek into the night naively not realising that that probably wasn't the best thing to do. I'm sure you are not the first witch to have done that and will not be the last. But it is also amazing that the spirit world then went no you do not do this because it is a bad idea and these are the reasons why. I like that, that that has piqued so many interests for me. I now want to learn everything about hedge witches and everything about Norse paganism. And story number six comes from Anonymous. A few years ago, my husband and I flew from South Africa to New Zealand to visit his friends of 20 or so years. Despite asking him if we could stay in a hotel for at least a few days, we ended up spending most of the trip staying at the friend's house to save money and to also spend some time with them. The first night there was okay, as I took sleeping pills to help with the jet lag, helping me sleep soundly. As the rest of our time there progressed, I noticed they were having some really bad marital problems, and their toddler son was also a bit of a terror, hitting me in the face and just being awful. Dropkick much? The guy would always talk down to his wife with a sneer on his face, and always took my husband on drives to get away, leaving me with the wife and dropkickable kid. I ended up feeling like a babysitter most of the time. The first night without sleeping tablets was so scary. I liked to get a full night's sleep, so went to bed alone. We were given the main bedroom which had a cupboard recessed into the wall right opposite the foot of the bed. The cupboard door never opened, but as I was falling asleep I felt a presence come towards me from the cupboard and I felt ever so gently a little tug on the bed covers as if someone had put a hand on the end of the bed or sat down lightly. It scared the daylights out of me, but I just lay there waiting for it to go away. I can't remember if it went away eventually, maybe I fell asleep. After that, the entity visited every night and I begged my husband to go to bed at the same time as me, but he didn't. The only time during our 16-day trip that I slept properly was when we drove a few hours to another city and slept in a different friend's house, and the difference was amazing. 
During that trip, I noticed my husband started treating me a little badly, very similar to the couple's interactions we were with. It, or part of it, must have latched on to us because for about two months after we left, his behaviour was terrible. I ended up telling the woman that she either needed to leave or get a priest to bless the family and the house, and I'm not sure if she did. My question is this. Did this entity arise from the marital troubles, or was it always in the home and caused the troubles? So I always wonder if bad energy causes these sort of manifestations that if this man who was treating his wife badly was just not a nice man and therefore there was a lot of negative energy in the home and children mimic the behavior of their parents so it it doesn't surprise me that he was or that the the child was behaving badly especially if they're in that kind of environment but there was an episode of uncanny it's case number six the brooklyn poltergeist where it's actually quite a similar story, but but a, a girl moves into a house and the man who is living in the house with his wife or his partner is behaving quite badly and then there's all this negative energy and then stuff starts happening. So it's definitely worth a listen. So it's case six of the podcast Uncanny. Um, so I don't know. I just think, I think it's interesting that a lot of these stories start around the time of, you know, parents getting a divorce or people being in bad relationships or people being in difficult relationships or going through particularly difficult times of their life. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit of a chicken and egg situation, really, isn't it? Thank you so much to Vincent, Jill, Charlene, Cheney, Anonymous and Anonymous for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story was from the 15th of March, 2021. If you would like to find out anything about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, you can do so by logging on to our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>